we are in this series called Four Truths, and I want to give a quick plug to next week. Next week is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a family service in here, and Ashley Griffin, our youth director, is going to be preaching. Are you ready, Ashley? He is, he is pumped. The enthusiasm is oozing. Um, he will be doing part three of Four Truths next week, and then the following week, uh, our senior pastor, Tim, will be back up here. He's out of town this week, otherwise he would have been here. Um, but he, uh, Tim will do the last one, which is going to be on heaven. But next week, we're going to be talking about forgiveness. And so it's a great message, and the kids are going to be invited to be a part of that service where they usually have their own hour at 11. They're going to be part of the worship experience in here. We're going to do some different fun, interactive things uh, that are going to be a part of that. And the kids will be singing a little bit. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I encourage you to be here next week uh, as we get ready to, to launch into that. But today we've got one more truth to cover before we get to next week. And that is the truth that there is a right and wrong. And this is one of those messages that was really exciting to prepare uh, because there, there's just a lot of different cultural things going on that make it more interesting. And then there's also just kind of our own dynamics, our own personalities. And I, I am looking around the room. I see different people in the room. And I know that, that some of you have a different perception of right and wrong than I do. And some of you uh, were right in line. And some of you are different than other people on the other side of the room. Um, but I think that this is a, a very important message um, because it's going to help us, I think, as we turn to God's Word and, and look at some kind of practical wisdom as well. It's going to help us to hopefully make better decisions and hopefully make more right decisions in our life. Um, and the things we're going to cover today have the potential to give us great direction, both individually and corporately. And to, to get started with this morning, just kind of to introduce this topic, we're going to watch about a 30-second clip from a movie that came out uh, several years ago. Most of you will probably be familiar with it. We're going to watch a little clip from Pirates of the Caribbean. So, turn your attention to the screen, please. Steal the guns and stores. Take a remit, set the flag, Wait. make good the clear water. You have to take me to shore. According to the card of the order of the record. Your return to shore was not part of our negotiations nor our agreement, so I must do nothing. And secondly, you must be a pirate for the pirate's code to apply, and you're not. And thirdly, the code is more what you call guidelines than actual rules. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl, Miss Turner. All right. I love that line. I love that little segment. They're having this little dialogue about the code. The code has already come up earlier in the movie. And he says, the code is more what we like to call guidelines rather than rules to follow. And I think that that is kind of a snapshot of how a lot of people look at right and wrong. It might even be how some people look at the Bible uh, from time to time. It's more just like a little bit of guidelines rather than rules to be followed. And I think that in a lot of ways, it's a great snapshot of kind of the eh, whatever uh, attitude of a lot of people as it relates to right and wrong. And we've probably all had conversations in our lives in which we said, I think that, you know, we can't do that. That wouldn't be right. And then somebody else would say, oh, that's just kind of your interpretation of it. it, it it'll be okay. Um, or there might be something that someone says that you're just kind of, 
caught off guard by, and they say, oh, there, there's nothing wrong with that. There, there, there's nothing to worry about there. And I think that um, different cultures have this as well. I remember last year uh, staying with a couple in, in Rome, Italy, and there was uh, an Italian guy was married to a German um, wife, and the German wife talked about how uh, Italians are just kind of, eh, whatever, just take it as it goes, no big deal, and Germans are very regimented and very structured, and she, one of the examples we talked about was how uh, in Germany, when you're at a crosswalk, and you know, you have the different colored it, maybe it's a hand or maybe it's a person that shows whether it's okay or not okay to walk. Um, in America, most of us would go up to the crosswalk, and if the, the hand is up saying don't cross, but you don't see anybody coming, you're going to do what? Cross. You're going to go ahead and cross. In Germany, they wouldn't dare do that. They're like, no, why would you cross? It's the rule. And, and they don't question it. And so there, there's this kind of different dynamic between different cultures but I believe it's also part of the larger context of culture. People are becoming more and more prone to kind of set their own guidelines of what is right and wrong. And in this type of society, it's becoming less and less common for people to agree upon a common set of standards of guidelines for what is absolute authority and what is right and wrong. And th this kind of puts the church in an interesting position because for many years in our country, the church was viewed as a moral authority. Um, and it's not so much the case anymore. And what has kind of overtaken our culture is more of an approach of relativism. And what relativism means basically is that I'm able to determine what's right for me. You're okay to determine what's right for you. And a lot of people struggle with that. A lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Um, and I think there, there's some scriptural basis for that discomfort. And, and actually, a few years ago, when uh, Pope Benedict was the, still the active pope of the Catholic Church, he was speaking at the White House, and he referred to relativism by this phrase. He said, the, the dictatorship of relativism. And what he meant by that is that there's some sort of control within our culture today in which the, everybody kind of makes their own rules and it's controlling in the way an oppressive dictatorship might be. But it's interesting, a lot of people, if we were to take a survey here today, a lot of you would probably be more black and white types. Maybe you were raised in a more structured household where there was a very clear right, a very clear wrong. Um, and some of you might have more of a gray outlook of the world. Uh, it's kind of, well, that's up to you to decide. And so the question for us becomes, how do we move towards a better understanding of right and wrong? And, and the goal is not necessarily this morning to lay out a list where we're going to go through all of the hot-button moral issues of today and we're going to take a poll, and we're going to put up on the screen and say, okay, this is the right thing to do in this situation. This is the wrong thing. That, that's not really the goal for today. The goal for today is to give us some direction, to give us some guidelines that help us to formulate what is right and wrong. If there is a right and wrong, how do we decipher what is right and what is wrong? 
Is it something we determine for ourselves, or is there something larger at work that helps guide us in that? And so, in some cases, we're just going to take as a given that the Bible is clear on some things, um, on a lot of things, actually. The Bible is clear on a lot of things, and so we're just going to take that as a given and, and not really dive into those things. But on the things where the Bible may not be as vocal, um, such as in your own life, God's not going to tell you where to live, um, through Scripture at least. God's not going to tell you whether it's right or wrong to take a job or whether it's right or wrong to be friends with a certain individual. Um, and so for those things, we, we need kind of some wisdom to guide us in that. But then also within culture as a whole, uh, there are some things that the Bible is crystal clear on, um, but there are other things that we have to kind of read Scripture a little more closely to understand what is right and wrong in different circumstances. And so whether you are a black and white view of the world type person or you are a gray view of the world type person, I think there's going to be something for everybody within this and hopefully some direction for us as to what the overall goal is for what determines right and wrong. And so... We are going to look at two different angles for you gray view of the world people. You're going to love the first one because it's going to be all about your own subjective view of what is right and wrong. And we're going to talk about it from the perspective of decision making. And then we're going to talk also about how that's not really a complete view of the difference between right and wrong. And so you can follow along on the screen. There's also message notes that has a lot of the same information. And we're going to jump to... Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 17. And this is the first part. We're going to look towards a more grounded, subjective approach. And by that we mean this is for us individually. How can we determine what's right and what's wrong? And Ephesians 5, 15 through 17 says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Um, and so this is a call in the letter to the Ephesians, uh, written by Paul uh, 2000, almost 2,000 years ago. And he's calling the people almost 2,000 years ago to live wise lives. Um, because the days are evil, because there are things around us that are not as they might seem. And a lot of people, they, they point to today as a day in which there's a lot of evil within the world. Um, I, I tend to think, I, I'm more of the persuasion that yes, there is some moral decay in today's society, but there's been moral decay in every society because there's been sin present since pretty much the beginning of the world. And so, this call to be wise um, is, is very important within Scripture. And so um, Andy Stanley, he's, he's a pastor of a church in the metro Atlanta area, a very large church. They have multiple campuses, um, very influential preacher. He actually teaches on this Scripture. And, and we're going to look at real quick just what he says that Scripture points us towards. And that is, the question to ask is not necessarily whether it's right or wrong. The question to ask is what is the wise thing to do? 
Um, because if you ask the question, what is the wise thing to do? This, remember, this is from a subjective perspective. If you ask what is the wise thing to do, that's going to point you in the direction of what is right for you. And, and this is why I think this is a helpful thing. Because we all have individual circumstances. We all have different perspectives on life. And so there are some things, yes, the Bible is crystal clear. This is right. This is wrong. But in the things where it comes to decision making, and we can't figure out what the right choice and what the wrong choice is, um, this is a good principle to put into practice. And he breaks it down a little bit further. If you're following along with your message notes, you have these. Um, but the first thing is to ask that question, what's the wise thing to do in light of your past experiences? For example, if your past experience has been that you constantly make bad financial decisions, taking out another credit card might not be the wise thing to do based on your past experiences. Um, if you are someone who has alcoholism in your family heritage, uh, whereas for somebody who doesn't have that, it may not necessarily be the wrong thing for them to do to have um, a few drinks a week. For someone who is prone to alcoholism that struggles with that, their past experience points them in the direction it's not the wise thing for them to do. So in those cases, what's right for one person might not be right for another person. And so you have to ask that question, what's the wise thing to do? Another filter to look at it through is current circumstances. Um, I remember when I was in college, we would have a lot of middle-of-the-night adventures. How many of you had middle-of-the-night adventures when you were in college? If your kids are sitting there by, I understand if you don't want to raise your hand. But... We would go and do fun, exciting things in the middle of the night. There was one thing we would do in which we would go and take people who had never been before to this little sliding rock thing that you could slide down. And this was the North Georgia mountains, my freshman and sophomore years. And you would slide down this rock, kind of water slide rock thing. And you would bounce out and land in this huge pool of water. And we're doing this in like November, December and it's cold outside, and, and we called it Club RL. And, and you wouldn't tell people what RL stand, stood for until they actually did it. And when they did it, um, you would say, you are a raging lunatic for coming out here and jumping in this water in the middle of the night. And uh, it was just something fun and goofy that we did. At that point in my life, I considered that to be the right thing to do. It may not have been the wisest thing to do, but in terms of my circumstances then, it was okay. Now that I have a job that expects me to be there in the morning, I have a family uh, and I'm expected to contribute financially to the household, going on adventures in the middle of the night may not necessarily be the wise thing for me to do anymore. Um, and it keeps life a little bit happier uh, at home. Another filter is future hopes and dreams. Um, for example, if you really, really love Starbucks or Chick-fil-A breakfast, whatever it is that's your guilty pleasure in the morning, um, and you go every single day um, and spend money there, that may not necessarily be a wrong thing to do, but if you also have future hopes and dreams of saving for your kid's education, you might be slowly taking away. So it, it's all a little subjective. It's all within that context of what's the wise thing to do. So in light of my past experiences, my current circumstances, and my future hopes and dreams, 
for, for me, what is the wise thing to do? And that can point me or you, um, if you apply this principle in the right direction in terms of what is right and wrong for us individually. Now, this is pretty good wisdom, and it can help in our decision-making. But I also think it's a little limited. Um, It's a little too focused on me. It's a little too focused on my view of the world, and it contributes to that everybody kind of gets to determine their own guidelines for life. Um, And it deals only with our unique situation without providing any direction for society as a whole or how we're supposed to interact with each other. It's also, um, while it's rooted in Scripture, um, anybody could take this principle and run with it. You don't have to necessarily be a Christian to apply it. But there are some things within the Bible that deal with the subject of right and wrong that I think speak to us as Christians and speak to us as a church as guidelines for what is right and wrong in today. And if you look at, we're not going to read them, but if you look at the Ten Commandments, the Ten Commandments provide what I believe is a more grounded, um, objective perspective on right and wrong. And if you look at the Ten Commandments, um, the first few commandments are love the Lord your God, um, have no other gods before him, uh, keep the Sabbath holy. They're all dealing with that vertical relationship, the vertical relationship meaning from us to God. So God to us, us to God. Um, They all deal with that. But then there's also horizontal relationships as well. And those are the ones that deal with other people. Um, Do not murder, do not steal, do not take your neighbor's wife. And, And they all are tied up in one of those two categories. They either deal with our relationships with God, or our relationship, yeah, our relationship with God, or our relationships with other people. And Jesus actually pulls on this directly and affirms it 100%. And this is what he says in Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Um, He was out teaching, and this is where we pick up in verse 34. Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. And I believe this is actually probably the best filter we can look at in determining what's right and wrong. Jesus says, It all comes down to loving God and loving other people. And so when we are faced with a question, and we don't know, does the Bible say yes, does the Bible say no, we're not really sure. When we're faced with a dilemma, and we need to know what the right thing to do and what the wrong thing to do is, we can ask ourselves this question. Does this have a positive or a negative impact upon my relationship with God and or my relationship with others? If the answer is it has a negative impact, then it's wrong. If the answer is it has a positive impact, uh, then it's right. If the answer is neither, pick one. Um, But in most instances, 
if we run it through that filter of does this impact positively or negatively my relationship with God or my relationship with others, that's going to point us in the direction of what is right and wrong. And I just want to offer a disclaimer because I don't want um, any traffic citations being brought by the uh, church office. If you're thinking to yourself, speeding does not impact my relationship with God or my relationship with other people, and you try to use that with a cop, please do remember, is there a siren? Did I just hear a siren? That is, that is awesome. Um, please, please remember... Uh, that there are laws. There are laws that are in effect, and uh, we as Christians are called to honor the law of the land. So um, that's one of those things the Bible is pretty clear on. But these are the questions for this morning. We've got a couple of kind of take-home practical things to take with us. Um, Ask yourself these questions um, as you head home today, uh, as we close our service. What are my standards for right and wrong? Second thing is, what filters can help me better understand right and wrong. We've pointed to a few this morning, um, asking that question, what's the wise thing to do for me? That's from a subjective perspective. And then from a more objective, broader perspective, um, does this have a positive or negative impact on relationships with God and with other people? And the last thing is, what am I doing that is wrong? Uh, And this is the part where we have to kind of deal with ourselves a little bit. There might be things within your life that are having a negative impact upon your relationship with God. Or there might be things in your life that are having a negative impact upon your relationship with other people. Um, And those are the things I believe God calls us uh, when we come together in church uh, to to lay down at his feet, to repent of, um, to surrender those things to God and, and to make efforts through our repentance to, to lead a life that is more right and more righteous, to leave a life that, that's more wise. And so this morning, as, as the band comes back up, I just invite you to reflect on right and wrong in your own life. Um, are there things within you that are negatively impacting your relationship with God or your relationship with others? Um, if so, I mean, this is just such a foundational element of what it means to be a believer in God. Uh, And I invite you to come and spend some time either at the altar or from your chair um, reflecting on those things. Uh, As we close out the service, the song we're about to sing talks about the fact that that we are never forsaken by God. And so if you are one of those people, you've made mistakes in your life and um, you've hurt other people or you've had a negative impact on your relationship with God, we remember that through it all, God is with us. We are not forsaken. And beyond everything, um, we experience grace. Um, There's grace and forgiveness for each one of us. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to close out the service with some singing. Lord, we just ask that you would guide each one of our own hearts. Um, As we have turned to your word this morning, as we have discussed uh, the difference between right and wrong. Uh, Lord, I pray that each of us would live lives that are more righteous, that are more honoring to you. And so we, we just ask that in our relationships with you, 
in our relationships with other people, God, that we would be honoring to you, that we would honor uh, in such a way that it's clear within our lives that we are living according to the line of what is right. And so God, I ask that you would be with each one of us as we reflect on our own shortcomings, on our own need to have um, a clear moral compass as it relates to right and wrong that's grounded in your word and grounded, grounded in your truth. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to each one of us today. For it is in your holy and awesome name we pray. Amen.